Coming up, hiring advice from a shark. None other than Damon John stops by and then shares his three-step process that'll help you. And then why people don't trust leaders. We're going to break that down and what to do about it. Let's go. Hey, folks, we're here to help you grow personally so that you can advance professionally and make the impact and the income that you desire. Let's get to this. So some of you are in a leadership role. Maybe you're new to leadership. And I will tell you that your ability to assemble talent is the ultimate lid on your leadership ability. In other words, if you can't put the right people in the right seat of the bus that you're responsible for, you are limiting and you will continue to limit your ability to lead effectively. So uh, it wasn't too many years ago that I had the opportunity to do a deep dive with Damon John. You know him from uh, Shark Tank. Uh, The guy's been wildly successful for a very, very long time. And he's a no-nonsense guy. I've always loved interviewing him. I've been able to interview him, I think, three times now. And he's a straight shooter. And uh, we're going to give you just a bit of my conversation with him as I asked him, you know, what? how do you ensure that you hire the right people? Let's watch this, and I'll be right back to tell you what I learned. What no you, problem. Yeah, what you've learned about hiring, what you've learned about actually putting the right people on first so that you're not having to deal with them later. Yeah, you know, challenging because I learned that, you know, uh, when you hire somebody initially, um, and if they're a poor performer, or even for them just to gel with the team, it takes anywhere from three to six months. And if they're a poor performer, the first six months, you're trying to give them some leeway. And then all of a sudden, you realize after a year, they were just poor performers. So what I try to do, first of all, is I give everybody a three-month trial basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, uh, And I see how they perform. They're on their, you know, this dating process means they're on their best behavior. And we, we see how it goes. Um, very hard to find to find that talent, though. Extremely hard. Uh, you got to find people that uh, that if they are super talented and you hire them, you know, I hire them on a couple of bases. Number one, uh, this is your job. And this is very clear what you are being paid to do. Mm-hmm. Number two, you need to be able to be flexible like a Swiss Army knife and help and jump in at the team because you are a team player. And number three is that in the event that you have something or you do an overperform, I'm going to give you some profit sharing or we can start a new division or a new business. Because uh, the way that this, that happens is, number one, by giving them the instruction of what you want them to do or deliver, then they are very clear. A lot of times employees are, uh, they're not productive, but it's not because they're not busting their butt. They're doing one thing that they assume you want them to do and they're working 24 hours a day on it when you just didn't share with them, hey, you know what, switch gears and move over here because here's where I need you the most. So it all stops at the leadership, Mm -hmm. right? So that's why you do number one. Number two is a team player. What happens is when they become a Swiss Army knife and they jump in here and there, maybe they didn't do that well in this area, but they're better over in this area until they interact with the rest of the team. So you can get some people to give testimonies on why this person is of value. Uh, Then you will really know who they are because you kept them siloed over here. Mm. Right. And the last one is about making them some kind of profit share or or beneficial, uh, you know, beneficiary in your businesses because if they're really a superstar and if you don't give them whether acknowledgement and or some form of uh, 
you know, support due to their outperformance, they're going to go off and either be stolen by somebody else or they're going to become your competitor. Right. You don't want either one of those. That's right. So those are the way, that's the way I, you know, that's the way I've been doing it over the last couple of years. And um, it, it has seemed to work. Yeah. Well, you get, I love the last piece because you've given them skin and they got their skin in the game, you know? And so when they win, they get directly uh, rewarded for that. And then they're, they're more missional than just, you know, selfish. So I love that. I, Hundred percent. I mean, you know, there is a study out there that says, you know, employees would take acknowledgement over money and sex. Wow. So fun stuff there. As he's just laying it out, this is what works for him. Okay. So let's review those three things because as you as a leader, so if I'm listening to that, I want to put myself in your shoes, right? So I want to learn with you right in the moment. And so as I go back and I listen to that and I hear him walk through, number one, people need to know what is expected of them. There needs to be clear communication of expectations. I said before on the show, all of us can get frustrated really easy when expectations are unrealistic or unclear. Because I can tell you what, if they're unrealistic or unclear, then they're going to be unmet. You can't meet an expectation when you're not sure what it is. And and so it's not just that the leader will grow frustrated, it's that the follower can be frustrated. Well, you think as the leader that you've told me what's expected of me, you haven't. So I'm playing a guessing game and I'm all over the place, probably because you're all over the place. Keep in mind, the clear expectations leaders are not solely for you. Excuse me, for, for, for those that you lead. They're for you too. So that you're going, well, I know exactly what I need this person to do. So now I can hold them accountable to that. And then I do my best to give them what they need to get a through E done. But if it's A, B, C, D, E, F, G, X, and I, T, K, L, M, N, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, and it's like the whole thing, and you haven't made that clear to them, then it's a disaster all the way around because you're not even sure what you want. What happens then is you become a very reactive leader. Whatever's hot, whatever is a challenge in your mind, you just go, hey, you, come over here and do this. And people don't know what's expected of them. They have to drop something they're doing now to pick up the latest emergency. That is reactive leadership, not proactive leadership. So proactive leadership is setting very clear expectations. Here's what I want you to do at Ramsey Solutions. Everybody in the company has a one-page description. Uh, we call it a KRA. This is what you're responsible for. And that can change. But when it changes, both the leader and the worker together, the follower, they come in and this is what we're changing. And so are you clear? You got any questions? Okay, this is what we need you to do. This is how we need you to do it. This is when we need you to do it. It's pretty straightforward stuff. Okay. So that's the first thing I took away. When he said, be this idea of a Swiss army knife, um, I, I'm going to infer a little bit because I remember doing the interview, but he's not talking about a one, you know, a jack of all trades and master of none. Uh, he's talking about having a team player attitude here. Hey, you know what? My main job is this, 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 but sometimes, uh, we may need someone to step up and and maybe pull a little extra hours here or help out over here or bring your expertise from this area over here. The idea is the Swiss Army knife is great in its function in that it can do multiple functions. And it's just there, ready to be used. And I think this is the spirit of the Swiss Army knife, not necessarily the jack-of-all-trades kind of thing where you got eight different blades that can do things. Some, yes, but it is the, you know what? I am going to be adaptable. I'm going to be useful. 
uh, because I'll raise my hand. I'll help out where I can. If they ask me to do this, I'll go do it. But I'm going to communicate to my leader, hey, this is kind of a bit more of a struggle than I thought. I I'm, I'm don't know that I'm the best person to do this. And hopefully we have a leader with eyes wide open going, yeah, I get that. And so that's really important. And the third is this idea of rewarding people. You know, Damon's right. People want recognition and reward more than they want a paycheck. Now, I will tell you that this want, and we could call it a need, which is deeper than a want. Most people aren't walking around going, hey, I'd rather get rewarded and uh, I'd rather uh, get uh, recognized than I would a pay bump. They don't just outwardly say that, but we know from data that when pressed on it and when we get into the human need sides of things, the bottom line is we all like a bigger paycheck, but you know what we need? Our souls don't need the bigger paycheck. Our psyche, our mental health doesn't need the bigger paycheck. What we need, our heart and our head need the recognition. Hey, you're doing a good job. I saw it. Here's specifically what you did. Great job. Thanks. Keep it up. Hey, we've seen what you've been doing. We want to we want to give you a, a long weekend. You pick it. Or, hey, we want to send you and your wife to this. Or, hey, we want to buy you and your family tickets to this. Okay. I, I remember early on, uh, I was in a, the first role here at Ramsey, and I was hosting live events. And I think at that time, we were doing about 40 events a year, and it was a lot of traveling. And at the end of that first year, the team bought me and my boys Titans tickets, club level, 50-yard line. It was just a nice touch. Hey, thanks for your hard work, Ken. We recognize you and reward you. And that's what people want, and that's what they need. Leading is not as difficult conceptually as we think. It's simple, but hard to execute. Hey, high school seniors and parents of high school seniors, it's almost graduation time. And if you're not sure about next steps, I want you to listen to this. Coding skills are essential in today's workforce. And my friends at Bethel Tech can help you start a new career really fast and do it cheap. It only takes nine months to complete a Bethel Tech course in UI, UX design, full stack development, data science, or cybersecurity. And your young person can get over a thousand hours of experience in a collaborative environment and then get placed. The average starting salary for a junior developer, $66,000. And the field is projected to grow by 22% over the next five years. Software development is a career with an enormously bright future. And right now, Bethel Tech is offering you 10% off if you watch or listen to The Ken Coleman Show and you pay cash. So go to BethelTech.net slash Ken Coleman. BethelTech.net slash Ken Coleman right now for details. Terms and conditions do apply. Welcome back to the Ken Coleman Show. Hey, I'd love your help if you could spread the word. If you're watching on YouTube, you do that by liking the video you're watching with a thumbs up, sharing, and subscribing to our channel. If you're listening via your favorite podcast app, you can give us a follow, a five-star review, and share. Don't forget, for those of you who feel like you need some clarity, you need some direction, you need some confidence, not sure what where I'm at or where do I want to go, 
The Get Clear assessment is the tool for that. It's a 15-minute assessment that gives you the ultimate self-awareness results, specifically in three areas. What I'm really good at doing, think skill. What work I enjoy doing. And then the results that I want to create in the world through my work. That's what's going to motivate me. If I know how to use what I do best to do what I love to produce results that matter, I mean, guess what? You are on purpose and you are going to be very effective and the impact and the income is going to show up. You can get it at KenColeman.com. Just search the store there, the Get Clear Assessment, KenColeman.com. Uh, all right, so I want to pull up some recent data from Gallup. And again, this is a, we're leader-focused today on the show because so many of you are in some role of management or you're going to be soon. And the goal is to make leadership less scary, less intimidating, and we want to simplify the role of leading because it's just really hard to do it because you're working with people and it's got a lot of pressure on it. So if we can simplify the process, the the act of leading, it's already hard enough because you're dealing with people, right? They're the best part of leadership and the worst part of leadership, and it brings a lot of pressure. That's hard enough. So let's simplify actual leading, okay? So this is some data from uh, Gallup. They're the, they're the gold standard uh, as it comes to polling on the American workplace and surveys. And a uh, couple things I want to dive into, okay? Here's where we stand right now in America. Trust is scary low, unnervingly low, concerningly low between people who are on the team, we'll call them the worker, and the leader. And it's a real problem. Let's look at some of the data. But why does trust matter so much? Some of you think, well, does why does there got to be trust? Let's just do our job. No, no, no. Employees who strongly agree, in other words, employees who do trust the leadership of their organization are four times as likely to be engaged, meaning really doing a good job and almost 60% less likely to be looking for a job. So turnover is a killer of momentum. That's simple. That's the facts. And engagement is the key to lowering turnover. But trust is the foundation of engagement. Only 23% of employees trust in the leaders of their organization, according to Gallup. Did you hear that? Only 23% of employees in America trust their leader. Goodness gracious. How many of you are parents out there? I want to just ask you a question about trust and how vital it is for progress. Hey, parents, I want you to think about how hard it is to get your kids to do something when they don't trust that their safety is taken care of. You ever had a kid try to jump? You ever try to get your kid to jump in a pool, go on a roller coaster ride, do something where even though they're your kid, they don't believe you that what they're what you're asking them to do is safe. Come on, parents, you know what I'm talking about? It's impossible. You watch a little kid, cutest kid in the world, go to this stubborn Clydesdale that cannot be moved. You ever try to pull a Clydesdale forward that doesn't want to go? I haven't. I imagine it's really hard. Same thing with a dog. You got a scared dog trying to get that dog in the car if they know they're going to the groomer? Oh, no chance, man. All right, so that's the idea. This is the same with leaders. Leaders, if if you don't have high trust on your team, in other words, you've created a trustworthy environment where they trust that you are in it for them and the mission equally, 
then you getting the best out of them is is like us parents trying to get that kid to do that thing that they're scared to death to do. It's hard. Now, are managers the bad guys? Are leaders the bad guys because of this data? The answer is no. No. Now, some of you got some horror stories, and you could go, well, let me tell you about my former leader, and this guy was an absolute creep. Okay. What I'm saying is that I'm for leaders, but there is a challenge that we have to acknowledge when talking about this, that the very same leaders who aren't trustworthy, it is not because they are bad ethical people. It's because they aren't being led well. They aren't being poured into. They aren't being developed. They aren't being supported. And thus, they can't do it for you. Let me illustrate. Um, managers' employee engagement and overall satisfaction have substantially declined since the pandemic, and their intent to leave has increased. Only 18% of managers are satisfied with their job. Anybody seeing a correlation here? Just go back for a second. 23% of employees trust the leadership of their organization. Really shockingly low. Why? Because only 18% of the managers are satisfied with their jobs. How in the world are you going to inspire trust and create trust when you aren't happy in your role? 31% of managers are engaged at work. How in the world are you going to create a trustworthy environment, inspire trust when you aren't engaged? They can see it. They know you're not engaged. 54% of managers are actively looking for new jobs. They start seeing you look at the door. Guess what they start doing? Looking at the door. It is a mirrored situation here. I, I've said this before. You know, if you're a leader who is not self-aware, get self-aware. And then when you reveal to your employees that you now have become self-aware, they're going to go, oh, yeah, well, glad, but we already knew all that. Trust me, they know your shortcomings. Everybody you lead, they know your shortcomings. 29% of employees receive communication from their manager about what's going on in the organization. 29%. Do you know what one of the big human needs is? We need to know where we stand. How's our company doing? Are we going to be okay? Right? I'm hearing this. I'm seeing this. I want to know where they stand. Only 29% receive communication from their leader. 31% of employees receive support from their managers during change. Oh my gosh. I saw this and I literally went, I want you to think about how uncomfortable change is for people. Something new. It's terrifying. Yet it's your job. So you don't want to lose your job. And so when change gets thrust on you, it can suck, create this pit in your stomach, shorten the breath, right? This is, this is scary stuff. It's unfun. It's, it's just all the things we know about change. And it says that only 31% of employees report getting support from their managers during change. So it's just like, hey, we got to change. See you tomorrow. That's not servant leadership. That's not leadership at all. Just manipulating people. This is it's my way of the highway. You got to figure it out. 
No wonder people don't feel stable, which means they don't feel trust. You're not going to support me? You're not going to support me through this change? You're going you're gonna to tell me what we're doing as change. Uh, I may or may not get the why, so I don't have any buy-in. And then there's no how we're going to make this change. Just I got to figure it out on the fly. Now, again, I want to pull back for a second and point out that a lot of leaders aren't getting support. So they're passing on the same thing that they're getting. So it's coming from on high, right? Hey, got to do this. Got to react. No proactivity, just react. And so your leaders, let's call them management level, whatever, the leaders above them are the ones that are driving all this. So they're overwhelmed. They're not supported. And so what do they do? They take the load that they're supposed to take, maybe, but they take the load and what do they do? Push it down to you. It's mirroring. You ever been in a room, you see somebody yawn, and you find yourself about a minute later yawning? It's powerful stuff. You think it doesn't work in in leadership? It's the same exact thing. We have bad leaders forcing other leaders in some ways to be bad because they're mirroring bad modeling. Think about it, leaders. This is the Ken Coleman Show. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Don't we all need help being better? And they're great at it. You know, we all carry around a lot of stress from our family life and our professional life, and it can just hit us at the same time. Big stuff, small stuff. And we can talk to our friends, or maybe you have a great relationship with a leader at work or a coworker, but you may not feel comfortable telling them everything. I know I wouldn't. And when we keep things bottled up, it will eventually leak out, and it's really negative. But therapy, it's a safe space to get everything off your chest with an unbiased professional and figure out how to work through the stuff that's weighing you down. So if you've thought of therapy before, you're thinking about it now, please try BetterHelp. Therapy isn't just for people who've gone through trauma. It's great to build skills, to become better personally and professionally. And BetterHelp is flexible enough to fit your busy schedule because it's completely online. All you do is fill out a short questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists at any time for no extra cost. It's time to get stuff off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Ken today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Ken. Welcome back to the Ken Coleman Show. All right, I love coaching folks. If you ever want to get coached up on the show, coached up on the show, uh, you can email us, ask at KenColeman.com. That's ask at KenColeman.com. Let's go to Richmond, Virginia, where Troy is on the line. Troy, how can I help today? Good afternoon, Ken. How are you doing? I am living the dream, Troy. What are you doing? Well, it's an honor to be speaking with you. I'm a little starstruck, so I'm trying not to choke up and ruin this whole thing. You're doing great. Don't be starstruck. I'm telling you that right now. I'm just I'm just a dude. We're having coffee, right? Let's just we're hanging out, we're having coffee. What's on your mind? Well, I uh been spending the morning listening to your book from Paycheck to Purpose and I feel like um I'm in a job that isn't quite giving me 
you know, that juice or that energy that you like to talk about. <laughs> I love it. But, but at the same time, you know, I want to be content with my job and that I have um, currently, and I've been there for about a year and a half. I'm a just a local CDL delivery driver for a company. And although driving has been my passion, just not driving in that setting that the company can provide um, is what I see myself being in five or 10 years. Uh, what would you say would be a good balance between, you know, that contentment and making a decision on switching jobs within the career, not a complete career change, mm-hmm. but I don't see myself being at that company in five or 10 years. Yeah. I don't have anything against the company, but I'm 24 years old and I want to be doing something I love, but I also want to be dependable in the marketplace and not be that job hopping guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I think this is a really mature question. I think you don't have to nail it on this phone call. Uh, we might be able to, to figure it out. We might not. But where I'm going to go is to answer your question is I want to figure out to the best of my ability the direction I want to head and and then fast forward five to ten years. So we go, okay, five, ten years from now, where would I like to be? And, and I'm, I'm more focused on direction than destination. You know, it doesn't have to be crazy specific. Um, but if I know the direction, you know, so an example of a direction would be five, 10 years from now, let's go 10, let's go to 34. I think that's a, a good exercise at 34. And if you're writing this down one day, you know, just sit there and go, okay, at 34, I want to be doing this type of thing. I want to be doing it this much. I want to be making this much money. I want to be living in this particular area, if we have those kind of specifics. And by getting 10 years out, a direction, meaning we know life changes, we know things happen, but I I know that I, and I'm making this up because I don't know what your answer is, but I know I want to be an entrepreneur. I don't know necessarily what that business is yet, but I know I want to be self-employed and I know I want to be uh, at a place where uh, I've tested it, I've launched it, scaled it, and I'm making this kind of money and blah, 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 blah. Is that making sense so far? Yeah. Do you yeah. have any of those answers? Do you know, do you have a couple of ideas of where you'd like to be at 34? Well, there's, to me, there's so many unknowns, um, but. I know that, if but, I, but let's if say I'd that we could just. Driving, that'd be, you'd like to drive. be driving, that would be great. Okay. Um, just. You know, maybe not in this setting. I don't know. What it, kind of driving? Um, just uh, still CDL driving. Just the company I'm with just can't provide exactly what I'm looking for. You know, which is uh, what? Uh, something to be. Well, I've always liked. Um, you know, trucks and stuff of that nature. And it, they just, they can't provide, they can't provide that. And okay, I don't want to just fly the coop and then figure out that that wasn't the direction I want to head. I've had, um, I have driving experience in on both, both ends. Um, 
All right, let me, let me let me let me dive in on something because I thought at one point you told me you want to be driving. You just want to be doing a different kind of driving at 34. And so we're now 24, and you're kind of going, all right, how do I make sure I'm not a job hopper? Well, I, I don't think that you're going to be that person if you go, what do I need to accomplish from a qualification slash experience in my work to be able to be driving that kind of truck or whatever that is for a different company? What do I have to do? Do I need to log in another year or two where I am? Or do I need to change companies where they have an actual ladder and maybe I can get there at 30, not 34? I've got to go dig and I've got to dig on two specific things. A, what is the path or what are the multiple pathways to what you just said you'd like to be doing at 34? And then the second thing I'm digging in on is this is where I'm going to sit with guys that are already doing it. And I'm going to spend enough time with them. And maybe I'm going to spend enough time with five or six guys to get enough feedback to where I've got a bucket full of feedback. Remember when you had a Halloween bag or bucket and you dump all the candy out on the table for mom and dad to look at? Do you remember that, Troy? Yeah. That's what I want to do with feedback. I want to talk to enough truckers to go... I can dump all that feedback, good, the bad, right, the really awful, the ambiguous, whatever, all that feedback. I want to be able to gather all of it and dump it on the table and then go, all right, knowing what I know now, my head and heart should be able to go ding, 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 or you got me? Yeah, and I feel like I've been doing that. Um, I think you have too. I think you know you want to do it. Yeah, and... So what's holding you up? There's something else holding you up. You called me today for a specific reason. It's, you know what you want to do, sounds like to me. Well, there's a certain amount of risk involved, and I've heard both ends of the stories. What's the risk? Tell me what you found out. Well, you know, guys taking the wrong approach and you know, buying a truck with a loan and then not getting the work that they need. And Great. So they end up Great. Let's they stop end up for going a second. back to where they were. Great. So let's pause. That's a great one. So what must be true for you not to get into debt and at that point risk, if you don't get jobs, losing it all? What has to be true? You got to be able to cash flow that. Boom. And So that may take some time. Because a truck, you got to find out how much a truck would cost, right? Yeah. All right. Have you found out? Yeah, I have. Well, now we got a goal. What's that? What's that number? Well, it could go anywhere from thirty to fifty to seventy thousand until you're on the road. Great. All right. So let's let's uh, split the difference just for conversation. Okay, between thirty and seventy. Let's just call it. Uh, let's call it, uh, 50. Okay. And let's say we get 50,000. How long would it take you to save $50,000 based on your reality right now? Well, uh, probably about a year. Um, Fantastic. I've already got, I've already got over that save, but I've been, me and my wife have been saving for a house, and it's kind of hard to convince her that I need to buy a truck instead of a house. Yes. And let me jump on 
on your wife's side of things here and tell you that she's right. You need to get the house taken yeah, care of, then the I'm, truck. Yeah, I'm, I'm there too. But you can still save that up pretty quickly and still be a very young man. My goodness, you're only 24 right now. All right, so what else is a risk besides that? So we're not going to go into debt. We're going to pay cash for our first truck, and that way we're not in any way financially in any risk at all. You can always sell the truck if, if, if the loads don't come, right? So we remove that risk. What's another risk? I guess just the emotional part of it. Maybe you not, um, turns out, expect you had high expectations and it's just not what you wanted after all i guess i get it but again we've addressed that right we we talked to enough guys and we have really clear expectations just like you gave me a range of 30 to 70 on a truck we also know the range of reality that could happen in driving a truck this is the worst that could be in that industry this is the best that can be if i go into it knowing that it could it could be a bit of a roller coaster i'm all good i can i can bear that This is just about knowledge. You've got some unknowns. Let's go get known. And then we know we can do this. Thanks for listening to The Ken Coleman Show. For more, you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on YouTube. You can also find Ken across all social media by following at Ken Coleman.